Hey, what's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt live from the Sweet Bee Studios. Today is Monday, June 11th, 2018. I am your host, Quentin. Hey, don't get mad. Don't laugh at me for not knowing the date. It was a typical Monday. Introduce yourself to the people. This is Courtney, and I know that it's June 11th. Yeah, yeah, today is June 11th. It, for me, it was a typical, typical Monday. Sure, Monday blues. Yeah, I felt like I was just getting kicked in the shins from the second I got to work. Um, typical Monday. I seriously tossed around the idea of pulling the fire alarm. It's a $1,000 fine sure. if you pull a public fire alarm. And I tried to get a couple people to go in on me. <laughs> you know, you split it three ways, pull the fire alarm, and before you know it, you're out the door, and guess who got a Monday off? That's true. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> um, we are going to cover some topics today. We went to Wrigley Field over the weekend, so we're going to talk about our adventures in Wrigley. Mm-hmm. Um, trust me, there were some adventures. We're going to talk about Shohei Otani. Oh, oh, Shohei Otani. Oh, man, I'm thinking of you, pal. And would you trade a New York Met to the New York Yankees? So I'm going to try to climb in the mind of a New York Met fan by, in my head, thinking would I trade a Cub to the Cardinals, right? like a really good Cub. So first thing we're going to do, we're going to talk about the Chicago trip. So we went to Wrigley Field, explored the new Wrigley Field. We hadn't been since the World Series, and we ventured up there and were greeted with a completely new build all around the Mm -hmm. stadium. There's a, a hotel across the street called Hotel Zachary. Yep. We went to the Brickhouse Tavern, named after Chicago Cub, uh, announcing great Jack Brickhouse. Um, Had some great chicken sandwiches with the good ranch. No, it wasn't ranch. No, it said, I looked it up, it said it had Chipotle ranch on it, I think. okay. So it was mostly Chipotle. It didn't taste like ranch. Mm, No, no. It was fancy ranch for sure. But we had an exciting time at Wrigley. This was your first time, Courtney. It was my first time Tell me about your first time at Wrigley. Inside, yes. Yes. So Wrigley was, I mean, it was amazing. I We watched two games, one day game, one night game. Wrigley Field, the surrounding area, just looked completely different. So for all of you who haven't been to Wrigley after the World Series, they completely changed it, right? So they've added, like you said, that hotel. They've added a park outside, which is really cool. It's just like some green space that you can run around. And people were laying out in the sun because it was 70 degrees as opposed to 100 degrees here in Charlotte. So Wrigley itself on the outside was amazing. Now going in Wrigley was amazing um, because, like I said, we went to a day game. We went to a night game. We experienced all seasons when when we were in Wrigley, right? So at one point I was freezing. And I was like shaking, looking for coffee and hot chocolate because it was so cold. And then the next day we got sunburn. Yeah. So we experienced a lot in Wrigley, including all four seasons. Yeah. I've got a farmer's tan that's so yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. You know how Wilson Contreras, like, you know how athletes wear like the sleeves yeah. on their arms yeah. that aren't attached to their body? Yeah. Like it looks like I've got a red sleeve on mm-hmm. my arm, but it's really just a farmer's tan. Mm-hmm. I look pretty athletic. I'm not going to lie because the, the tan sure. makes my arms look really toned and defined It right does. Now. And you take your shirt off and then you Thanks. see how pale you Thanks, are. Thanks, <laughs> jerk. Yeah, that is very yeah. true though. Um, I'm a pale Scotsman, if you will, but the farmer's tan, ooh, yeah. it is vicious. But then later that night, the mm-hmm. same day I get the farmer's tan, mm-hmm. by the time that day game ended, I was cold. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's it's what's great. so great about Wrigley this early in the summer is you still experience some cooler weather. And if you're coming from a place where it's really warm, that alone is refreshing. But I would say my highlights in Wrigley would be our tickets on the second day. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we sat second row on the second day, which was amazing, uh, right behind the uh, Cubs dugout, which alone was was crazy because you're used to seeing these guys on TV, right? And you're and you're used to rooting for them and seeing them up close on TV, but being up close in person is so completely different. We were so close, we, we could hear the players' conversations, we could basically see Joe Madden's notes in his back pocket. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was fun. It was great. Yeah, it was one of the best times. And I know I've, I've thought about some of it at work today, kind mm-hmm. of exploring how you – because we've talked about this over and over again on the podcast. Baseball is that one sport that gets explored the most as far as, like, how fans look at the sport yeah. and how to bring fans to the sport because football and basketball don't really have that problem. And I – you know – Sitting so close to the dugout, like a row behind the dugout, being able to see inside and hear personal conversations, it kind of got me to thinking more and more about ways to translate that fan experience that you get somehow onto TV because people talk, it is the answer when you, if I ever talk about baseball in the workplace, People always say, well, I don't really like to watch baseball on TV, but I love to go in person. And I'm wondering, baseball offers so much. And kind of what we saw in that moment was, you know, sitting right there on top of the dugout. I was like a child. You could hear personal conversations. You could see a lot of side action that went on in the Mm -hmm. game, right? The personalities of the players. I know, right? And when you watch it on TV, the view is essentially the same. So if you watch a baseball game, for one... What makes me madder than ever, and I think it's most noticeable on ESPN's Sunday night broadcast, mm-hmm. but the crowd noise is drowned out. Yeah. They they mute that crowd and noise. And it makes it seem like the crowd, if you wouldn't know that, you make it seem like it's dead silent. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you watch a football or basketball game, that crowd noise is amped up the whole time. And honestly, it hypes up the viewer at home as see, well. See, that's what I'm getting at. And yeah. so, one, I thought of that, but two, I know when you're watching the game, from the camera views, you'll get pretty much... The pitcher, mm-hmm. catcher view, just like you normally get with the batter. But then outside of that, there's not a whole lot. Like, they'll show fielders and stuff, but I would like to see... Usually only during the plays, though. It's not like they span. Oh, exactly. Yeah. All I'm wondering is if there's not a way to get, like, more side action in the game. Well, I think it's like, also because basketball and football and even soccer are constant moving sports. Kind and so, of. Well, I mean... Uh, Realistically, football is not as much for what you think. You run a play every 45 seconds or whatever the play clock runs. Yeah, in football, that's true. you run a play and then it stops. And but, you do and you do span up and see the field a lot. Mm-hmm. So you get to see all the players. Right? And I always compare like baseball pitcher gets on the mound, mm-hmm. throws, and then you've got a time span yeah. where you're waiting and everyone's standing around. Yeah, it's just well, it's a slow. Yeah, movement. that happens in football, but somehow in football they do a really good job of capturing mm-hmm. like the in between. And I know if you hear an, and, and I'm just coming up with this off the top of my head, right? Sure. You hear like an NFL broadcaster, yeah. they're always talking gameplay. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- what what play could be run, you know, if you watch um any like Tony Romo calling a football game, it's amazing because he really gets introspective in it because he was a player. You don't get a lot of that with baseball announcers. Right. And even even though they're mostly players. Uh, yeah, exactly, players, right? Yeah. Um, I would say the one broadcast that I think I enjoy the most right now, if I'm watching TV or radio, is when Hawk Harrelson's on the White Sox broadcast. Yeah, still. you mentioned that you were really Because like he it. talks he talks a lot of baseball and he he's so educated and versed on the game, he uses you know, his experience as a player, and he really knows the current players that are playing on the field and somehow can always tie that stuff in. He's uh, 
He's he's one of my favorites, probably my favorite right now, hands down. Well, radio and, announcers are going to be better, I think, than than TV announcers because radio announcers have to be more vivid in their descriptions because you're listening. As that's always to the thing. Like Pat Hughes, I do enjoy a lot, but I wonder if it just has something to do if you want to make the product more exciting watching it on television, if you yeah. just let that fan noise come through. Now, I get it, right? Baseball games aren't always loud, but I think there's a lot more sound than... Well, especially when something good happens, right? Like, you hear when someone scores a touchdown, you hear those cheers. Mm-hmm. When someone hits a grand slam like Jason Hayward did the other night, all yeah. of us in the field, in the stadium, were screaming at the mm-hmm. top of our lungs, and you probably just hear nothing on Yeah, I bet I would love to watch that back on television, yeah. because in that moment, we we were soaking in the crowd and yeah. the noise and, and exactly like what jumping. happened yeah. right before the walk-off right after and the whole thing. And I'd love to watch that playback yeah. on TV just to, to to really now at that point do like your double-blind study or yeah, whatever. that's interesting. That's not really double-blind. It's not double-blind um, at all. <laughs> I like to talk big words on the podcast. It's just a way to... That are inaccurate. Just a way to impress the listeners. Yeah. They don't really know that we're doing this in the kitchen right now. <laughs> the studio, it gets the hardwood floor down next week, so we'll be back in it. But... <laughs> You know, I just I, I would like to see announcers talk more gameplay during the game. Yeah. And in between pitches, go into, you know, what the pitcher stuff like, what he might throw next. I would love to hear scouting reports on players coming up. So there are a lot of new that players cool. in the league, right? Yeah. Like so Ozzy Albies, like if you're a Braves fan, you might not know much about him. But sure. if you kind of got a quick scouting report, I don't know much like if about I knew what the pitcher and catcher, if I'm at home and I know what the pitcher and catcher knows, then that gameplay seems like it would be so so much enhanced because yeah. when you're watching, when we were watching the Cubs live, we were in it, you know. And all I was doing was each pitch. I'm looking at, you know, what Tyler Chatwood and Aaron Nola are throwing. Right. And I remember being like, he's gonna throw him a fastball next, and being yes, in you person, did. yeah, it's different. You you get a different experience, and I really believe there's a way to transfer that experience over. And I think it, you know, could be a lot with changing the announcers, bleeding in the crowd noise, and. Um, side action as far as like what's going on in the dugouts I would love to hear conversations of batters getting back in the dugout I don't know whether ever do that though whether someone's strike well but I mean they They do get a little rowdy well I mean you got quarterbacks in the NFL I think get mic'd I think they could do it more it would never have to be a constant thing sure but you could have well isn't that what they try to do when they like try to interview the coaches in the middle of the game like try to get their perspective I think they're trying but they're missing for sure. Yeah, because those I don't believe are received well. So no. when you had you had two weeks ago AJ Hinch being interviewed when the Astros were playing the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Or excuse me, when the Astros were playing the Red Sox. Okay. And while AJ Hinch is getting interviewed, JD Martinez hits a home run. And yes. it was the most awkward moment. Because he stopped like, talking. I don't like that because it doesn't seem super authentic. Yeah, right. So next on the agenda is Shohei Otani. He's got a grade two. UCL sprain. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that's the ligament that attaches the bottom part of one's arm to the top part of one's arm, and that makes it to where a pitcher can throw a baseball and he can do it really hard. Shohei Otani does it harder than most. He throws 100 miles an hour and he can do it really easy. But this grade two sprain means that that ligament is stretched yeah. and possibly partially torn. The baseball world right now, we're holding our breath. It's the You've equivalent. Been really torn up about this. It's the equivalent of I imagine being alive when man like landed on the moon and you're at home watching <laughs> your TV in suspense, hoping like is a weird space creature going to come out of the moon? Right. Is man going <laughs> to land on the moon? Is Neil Armstrong going to float away? So like you're holding on tight. It's sure. like the movie Apollo 13, sure. where Very they're coming uneasy. back to Earth and like. 
I, my brother texted me last night at like 1130 and he goes, word is Shohei Otani has to have Tommy John. And I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about because I had Googled it before I went to bed, didn't right. see anything. Well, and wake we up. Get, and we get notifications. No kidding. Well, he got it before me. So I woke up, I wake up this morning and Pedro Gomez on ESPN Sports Center, I think last night, reports that those among the Astros training staff camp, the whole nine, just believe that Shohei Otani will have to have Tommy John surgery and will not pitch until 2020. It's not. The athletic Ken Rosenthal asked Billy Epler about it today, Angels GM, and Billy said the timetable still stands. We've given him the stem cell, the platelet-rich plasma injection. Oh, they did? Yeah, so they gave him the injections, and the kid's going to, we're going to wait three weeks, and then he's going to get further reevaluated. Sure. Which I think is the best decision right now. Yeah, of course it is because, you know, the Angels are still in the place where they're, I think, four and a half games back right now. They've got to have Otani back. If the Angels want to make the playoffs, Shohei's got to be in the lineup right now. And I am torn up on the inside. Yeah. I think everyone is because he's such a phenomenal baseball story. Like, I want to, in this moment right now, think of something funny, like some sort of joke. But the fact of it is he is such an intriguing it, to me, it's a thing of beauty to watch an athlete do things that normal people can't do. It's like watching a Justice League movie or something. Right. Like, I'm not Batman, right? I can't put on a cool mask and fly through the air. But Shohei is. But <laughs> Shohei Otani has the ability to hit home runs off the best pitchers in all of baseball. Right. You've got a guy that literally hit a home run off Luis Severino and Corey Kluber and throws 100 miles an hour. So he's got a. He's th- an anomaly for sure. He is, and for him to get injured, it is and he's awful. Nice. It, that's the thing about it. He right. is such a nice yeah. kid. He's not even cocky about it. Like most people who would have an arm like that and a bat like that might be a little cocky, but he's like no, the most humble no. guy. It feels like the un- it feels like the universe and this little elbow ligament is like taking him away from us, and I don't <laughs> want it to happen. I'm checking Twitter right now, like every. 30 minutes, mm-hmm. I'm Google searching Shohei Otani. Like, as soon as I pick up my phone, like, I just hit refresh because I leave the Google page on Shohei <laughs> Otani. As it sits right now, I kind of want to go over a couple things. I know there are reports I've read if you're going to get this surgery and you're a position player, the recovery time six to eight months. But if you're a pitcher, you're looking at 12 to 18 months. A why, big, big difference. Why is there such a difference? Well, because if you're a pitcher, you're using that arm so much to constantly throw. That makes sense. But if you're a position player, it's not so much. That makes sense. And Shohei Otani, he's a designated hitter, so if he's not pitching, he doesn't have to throw a baseball at all. Mm-hmm. So there's that whole debacle because if you're the Angels, if you're Billy Epler, you have the option to where if Shohei Otani, if you've got to shut him down for the rest of the year and he can't throw because... He needs Tommy John surgery. So scenario number one, Shohei Otani has to have surgery and they cut him open. Yeah. At that point, you lose him as a pitcher for 12 to 18 months and as a hitter for six to eight months. Okay. That's what you do. So you lose him for all of this year. You so don't recover- get him back anymore. Recovery bottom line is minimum six months. If you're a position player, minimum six months. But even but even if he is not going to pitch and he's just going to DH, That's it's, still, it's still six months. Yep. And it's just not as severe as an in, as a recovery because of the mechanics of swinging a bat. It's not the same as the Correct. mechanics of pitching. Yeah, okay. yeah. I read an article that said because he throws right-handed and bats left-handed, mm-hmm. when he's batting, his right arm's the lead arm, right? Sure, that So that even makes it easier on him. Okay. Because he bats left-handed, and that's okay. a good thing. So that's first-case scenario. He gets the surgery. He can't pitch for 12 months, and he can't hit for six months. Yep. Second scenario is... If he can't pitch and you think he's got to have Tommy John. Yes. 
you you've already given him the stem cell and the PRP injection. Let him hit out the year, and let him get Tommy John at the end of the baseball season. Because, and I'm gonna paint this picture right here. If Shohei Otani can't pitch anymore, he's got to get shut down for the rest of the year. Either because one, because he needs Tommy John. Mm-hmm. I said I believe the Angels should not cut him open until the baseball season ends and let him DH the rest of this year because the Angels are playing good baseball and they can make the postseason. But will he be in pain? No. Hitting, he, he doesn't... He'll, he'll be able to hit fine when he... So he came out of the, the last game he pitched, he came out in the fourth inning because he had a blister. Mm-hmm. So they go to drain the blister, and Shohei goes, Melbo's a little tight. Look at it, whatever. We'll give it an MRI. And then that's when they diagnosed him with the grade two so he UCL didn't even, sprain. So he didn't even realize. It's not like he was in this. No, he was pain. just like, it's kind of stiff, whatever. And. Maybe he just has a high pain tolerance. He, he could, but, um, you know, I don't believe hitting it would because Corey. Um, Corey Seager needed Tommy John surgery for a while and still hit through it. But he got to the point where he was having a problem throwing it across the diamond. Mm. And that was causing him a lot of pain. Yeah. And So scenario two would be him not getting the surgery for this season, getting it after the season, and then just DHing the rest of the year. Yeah, because you cost yourself what? If this is June, he would get to play the rest of June, July, August, September, and all of October if you made it that far. You're costing yourself five months. Because here's my question. Here's what I'm wanting to explore. I think Shohei Otani is unfairly looked at as a, as a dominant pitcher, but isn't taken serious enough hitting. So paint, let me paint this picture in your head. Let's say something happened to Shohei Otani and he couldn't bat anymore. Yeah. I don't think anyone would would care about that, would bat an eye, because they would say, well, he, he can pitch arm. phenomenal. So well, if, if this situation was reversed and he needed surgery to continue to bat... I think they wouldn't take the surgery because they'd be like, well, hell, he can pitch. Right. So bring I him into pitch. You. But I think, and when before Shohei Otani signed with anyone, they interviewed one of his coaches in Japan yes. that said he was a better hitter than he was pitcher, but that wasn't the MO on Otani. No one ever talked about his hitting, but this coach said that he was a better hitter than he was a pitcher. Mm-hmm. And you see Shohei Otani make these quick adjustments on the field, mm-hmm. and his hitting is taken too lightly. If he would hit every day, he'd be a 300 hitter but, and hit home runs. And I see, I see what you're getting at, right? That you still get a, a good bat, and the and that's significant. But you have to look at the landscape of the team. So a, a good hitter and a good bat isn't usually as important as an ace pitcher. So you have to think like, yes, even if he is just as good at hitting or even better as his coach was saying listen you're underestimating his bat he he can really perform is that as valuable to the angels as it is his his pitching you have to look at it that way mm-hmm. not not just yeah he he could be just as good as he is pitching what's more important to the team right if you have 10 if you have yeah, five I mean, people that have great bats and you only have two great pitchers what's more valuable you well, have to think of it that and way and that's the thing with the angels they don't have a lot of great bats okay so then that would bring they a lot of value they don't have great bats and they need the bat yeah and so that's kind of what i go off with otani is i want them to keep that bat in that lineup well then that would then make sense course, scenario 2 would make sense then, then if they course, need him yeah then your third case scenario garrett richards one of their righties he was out for he recovered from a grade 2 ucl sprain in 11 months just off the injections Got a stem cell PRP rehab. He was back in eleven months. So if you could, if that works, one hundred percent. 
He's pitching fine now. Oh. Yeah. And if that works, so did Masahiro Tanaka. Mm-hmm. He had a tear in his UCL, got injections, was out from June to September. All okay. in the same season. So your best case scenario, because you've got to believe that Shohei Otani is this crazy freak of nature. He gets those injections, the arm heals itself, and he can continue to hit. Right. Okay, so but we'll see. But say they do go with option two, scenario two in your head. Um, imagine they're doing the same thing. They're like writing out these different scenarios. Gosh, as well. I, I imagine yeah. they are because you hate to like if you're a team that's competing. Sure. You never know what next year is going to look like. No, of course. And you can always, you always have to play for this year and the right now. But that brings and me, I hate to I lose know, that. But that know? brings me to my next question. So say he does need Tommy John, right? And they're like, okay, we're going to put it off and we're going to let him hit. So when does he get it after the season ends? Yeah, the day after the season ends. But then okay, that puts him, him out the whole next season. Yeah, well, then there's no way to avoid that because if they, if, and Shohei Otani wants to be a two-way player. And whatever team has him is going to want a two-way player to happen. Yeah. So you've got to, one, respect Shohei Otani's game because when you brought him over here, he signed with the Angels because he knew he could be a two-way player. Yeah. So there's no way, shape, or form I'm saying, hey, sweep his two-way ability under the rug and just go ahead and have him hit now. Because here's the thing. Pitchers... And their arms are so volatile. You never know if they're going to get Tommy John and come back, if they're ever going to be right. There's so many can't-miss pitching prospects that miss. Yeah. Because your arm and the way guys spin the ball and throw so hard, mm-hmm. it's very difficult. You, you, Good pitchers are here today and gone tomorrow. Like, right. where's Tim Lincecum come at? Where's Mark Pryor at? Like, whatever happened to Todd Van Poppel? Like, we don't know. Those guys just, like, their arms just, they just stop. Right. And that's what I don't want to see with Otani, but you've got to let him have that year-long surgery because you've got to, one, respect his game, and two, Shohei's always going to be at his best when he's allowed to be a two-way player. I just don't think there's anything wrong with waiting five months and letting him compete. But of course, you know, that's part of Shohei's decision too. And sure. you've got to respect his decision if he's like, cut me open because old, he's, he's just about to turn 24. He'd be a fully healed from Tommy John, two-way player at the age of 25. And if he could have Who Tommy John... Who gets to make that... Fi- I mean, obviously, it's his body, so he could probably make that call. But oh, I would he's imagine... under contract, who, get, who really gets to make... Make that decision. I mean, I'm sure the Angels can make recommendations. That's Well, it's going to be kind of that because, so, for example, like what happened with Matt Harvey mm-hmm. with the Mets, they wanted him to uh, go to AAA. Yeah. And Matt's like, no, nah, I mean, I'm not going to AAA. So they traded him. Mm-hmm. So I guess with a player and team dispute, if the dispute ever gets bad enough, you'll run into a situation like that where they're like, okay, like, we don't agree with you. Like, we're not going to whatever. Right, because you can't force a guy to get surgery. Exactly. So you can't ever force him to get surgery. It's like when Noah Syndergaard last year said, I'm going to keep pitching, I'm good, and then tore his lat. Right. So it's ultimately like it's going to be the player's decision because it's their body, so their team can't say get surgery or not. But Shohei's obviously going to have a team of guys he works with. He's got a doctor in Japan that Jeff Passan wrote about it in a Yahoo article. Hmm. When he was in Japan, he would see um, Japan's... um, a leading doctor, you know, when it comes to Tommy John, this guy like twice a week would see like up to 20 pitchers a day and just analyze their ligaments and stuff. And Shohei Otani had got checked out by him. He was like 19 or 20. And the doctor with Jeff Passan wrote in this article when he had checked out Shohei Otani's arm a few years ago, he says, your ligament's perfect. But he was still kind of nervous because he throws so hard. Yeah. And that doctor would always tell guys, I think that same day he had looked at a 16 year old and he told that 16-year-old that had damage in his arm, like, don't throw so hard. Like, you do not need to throw max effort. 
And you've got Tommy John surgeries are so frequent these days, and so are 100-mile-an-hour pitchers. Is that why it's putting too much pressure on the ligament? It's just the the velocity? It's velocity, and it's going to be with a guy's mechanics, too. So, for example, the way – if you watch David Robertson on the Yankees or, like, Mark Pryor pitch a game yeah. or Steven Strasburg, yes. they do, like, an inverted U. Yes. So when they pitch and their arm comes back, it'll start in this down position and then come up. And some – Pitching pitching uh, coaches have said that that in, they either call it inverted U or an inverted W because when your arm goes back, your fist is basically like facing towards the ground, and then you cock that sucker up and go. Right. And that's the way Mark Pryor threw. That's the way Strasburg throws. That's the way David Robertson throws. Those are three guys off the top of my head. Yeah. And that can have a little bit to do with mechanics too and what you're doing with your shoulder and sure, where it's moving. Because you look at a guy like Madison Bumgarner. He is at no risk for a shoulder issue because he just whirls that thing around. Kind of the same thing with Clayton Kershaw's. They just have these stellar mechanics. Yeah. But Kershaw might have delivery issues with it. He's got a lot of lower back problems. But it's it's all to do with those things like velocity, definitely, because guys were getting Tommy John before velocity was like a big thing. Yeah. But it has a lot to do with it because you can count right now the amount of young guys on Shoot, the Phillies, I think, have had three guys already go down for Tommy John. Or no, not the Phillies, the Astros. Wow. No. I quit. I, just, <laughs> I quit the podcast. The Angels, the Angels closer, and then I think they've got a couple other pitchers that have all had Tommy John. Oh, they're not having the, good luck. What else? Taiwan Walker down for Tommy John surgery. Yankees Jordan Montgomery down for Tommy John. You got guys just going, 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 just getting knocked out. Well, my prayers but, are with Shohei. I hope that it, it turns out okay, and maybe after all, he doesn't need it. I don't want him to be another statistic. He's too. No, good. absolutely not. Absolutely not. Last topic. So. Rumor mill is that the Mets could trade one of their aces mm-hmm. to the rival New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? Well, the first question I want to ask is, would, would you do it? Would, as a Mets fan, do, would you think that the team should trade your star pitcher to the New York Yankees knowing that when he goes there, he's probably going to get to the World Series and he could very well win it? As a Mets coach, yes. As a Mets fan, no. If I'm a Mets <laughs> fan, and if I'm a Mets, if I'm in the, if I'm Sandy Alderson in the front office of the New York Mets, and I don't care if the Yankees bring to me Glaber Torres and one other prospect, they could bring to me Glaber Torres, and I'm gonna flash him the bird and say, "I'm not doing it." There's no way you can do it. People there, are gonna like storm the stadium. I do. Like, there's there's that no way. <laughs> I would. I wouldn't do it. And I get like, oh, that's silly, and. You know, like one, one's an American League team and one's a National League team. But two, like people look at it like, that's a silly thing. Like, why would you do that? Because it makes your team better. I don't care if it makes my team better. You don't make a deal like that with the enemy to say, oh, if you're going to give me Glaber Torres, I'll give you my best pitcher so you guys can be in the next four World Series. Hell no. Because when you're creating a team that's going to be popular in the community, you've got to have the fan support. And to do that, like, I'm sorry, like having the fan support, is just part of the game and doing right by the team and looking beyond the numbers. If if I'm a I'm a Cubs fan and if like an ace like at the trade deadline like Jake Arrieta had got traded to the Cardinals and won a World Series and had to go, I would hate the whole situation. Yeah. I would hate him. I'd be yeah. so pissed off. Yeah, and then if your team doesn't perform, you instantly blame the trade. The morale's down. You're you're instantly going to be like it's the coach's fault. It's the it's you the can't do it. Fault. There's something yeah. about going to war. And, like, you don't make a deal with the enemy when you're going to war. When you're in the middle of a war, you don't make a deal. I know this isn't a pennant race, but this is 
uh, this is the pride of Queens and the pride of the Bronx. So you can't do that, right? Now, it can't be completely off base. It can't be done. It's not likely to happen, but it can't be done. What's the other side of that argument, though? The other side of the argument is you get Glaber Torres. Yeah. Right? So if, I ha- if I'm Sandy Alderson and I have Jacob deGrom and the Yankees are like, we'll give you Glaber Torres, Clint Frazier, and Justice Sheffield. Dude, those are three of the best prospects in all of baseball. Right. So then do you do it or no? I, 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 me, personally, I tell the Yankees to stick it up their ass. Yeah. And I go somewhere else. That's just me. Like, I'm not spending my Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You guys can die. I don't yeah. want to do it. Yeah. And that's still me. Those are, those are um, you know, three really good prospects. But what are you going to do? Sell your soul to try to win? I mean, that's what a lot of teams do. Like, There's ugh. rental players. There's- I can't do it. I can't do it in this situation with. But maybe, you know, I'm not from New York. I might not have a full grip. On what it means to be a Yankees and a Mets fan, I, I have no more, idea. I think there's more of a rivalry between New York and Boston, really. Because oh, I mean, oh, I'm from hell, I'm yeah. from New York, and like, oh yeah, dude. I mean, when you're from New York, you've got neighbors that are Mets fans, right? So, so it's split. So quite a bit. you're you're a New Yorker. Would the fans get pissed? Would I mean, a Mets I fan really so. be like? I think so. But I mean, also, do I, the fans have a right to be pissed when when the team's getting better? Does the fan have the right to be pissed? I think so because you don't think like that. A normal fan just sees the results. They don't think like, oh, we're getting this prospect and this prospect. They just instantly say, you're taking one of our best, giving it to one of our rivals and our hometown rivals, right? I mean, you can watch a a New York game, right? The Mets versus Yankees, and you can tell the tension in the air. I mean, it's... It's a rivalry. It's not Boston, New York, but it's a rivalry nonetheless. And you don't want any team to get better than you, let alone your backyard neighbor. So I mean, yeah, because I, I wonder, think they're pissed. Yeah, yeah, because at one point, like Roger Clemens pitched for the Yankees. Yeah, Wade Boggs and Johnny Damon all played for the Yankees. Yeah, I mean Jacoby Ellsbury is a Yankee right now. I mean yeah. maybe that's not too bad, but yeah. I mean I feel like Jacob Degrom's such a. He's a top player ingrained in this system. It'd be like the equivalent of Dustin Pedroia going to the Yankees. I mean, I'm like, a Yankees fan. Like, I don't, a serious even, I don't guy. even want him because I don't like him. So, and see what I mean? Like, and that's not logical yeah. because he's a very talented player. But being a fan, if you don't like another fan, uh, you don't like another player just because of, of who he is or who he plays for, sometimes it doesn't matter how good he is. So, I, yeah, I do think the Mets players might get a little mad. Yeah, I mean, Jacob deGrom's a top two Not pitcher. Not the players, the, the fans. Yeah, yeah. Think. Well, Jacob deGrom is at least like a top three. A t- he's at least a top four pitcher in all of baseball, 110%. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't well, know. I don't, I don't think they do it. Is, that, is there talk of that, or are you just uh, guessing? No, well, there's talk of it from a lot of sports writers that are saying that the, the Mets can't win right now. And between Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard, they would have the two top trade prospects for the non-waiver trade deadline and all of entire baseball. They'd have the best. So no one from either side, Cashman or Sandy Alderson, has been like, yep, we're having talks with this trade. Just what you're seeing. Strictly rumor mill, nothing to it. Yeah, I'm reading it now, though, and it and it definitely, definitely looks like there's talk for sure. I mean, rumors are flying around for sure, but you can't deny that the Yankees need starting pitching. If the Yankees are going to get past the, the Astros, mm-hmm. I feel like they could have a starter. And he's two and a half seasons away from free agency, from what I'm reading. Oh, so they, they would control three him for a while. Yeah. 
That is crazy to get a guy like Jacob DeGrom. And a guy that I believe, like, nothing crazy injury-wise, smooth mechanics, good hard thrower. Like, a guy like Noah Syndergaard scares the crap out of me because the yeah. way he throws seems like it's just prone to injury. I'm not the pitching ninja, but I'm just saying. So and the injuries follow him. Hair. Yeah. Um, we're going to – so, what's up? I'm so glad he cut his hair. I'm looking at pictures Dude, right now. 100%. Um, we've got a, we're going to go over a couple small news stories. First and foremost, we're going to play a game. So um, I knew when we were in Chicago, I'd fallen in love with a few things, including uh, Pisano's Pizza, Al's Italian Beef, so on and so forth. We're going to play Desert Island. So one of my favorite episodes of The Office, they play Desert Island on season two when Ryan sets The Office on fire with yes. a, a – che- what, what is it? What do they call it? With like a um, – he leaves something in the toaster oven, like a cheesy sandwich yeah. or something in a toaster oven. Yeah. And they play Desert Island. So today's Desert Island is three condiments. Okay. So you got to go. Which, you're so stuck on a desert island stuck on and des- you get three three condiments. Three con- I mean, do I have food or am I just eating condiments? It's, it, you just, you, it does, we don't know. You just, you're at the point now where it's like, hey, we're going to give you three condiments. What do you want? Like you're about to pick three condiments. No, but I need, I need these let's rules say and regulations. Okay, let's you say, do have food. Let's okay. say you're eating grass. You're eating grass well, no, and no, corn no, no, and do melons. I need, do I need things that will sustain me, or is this for taste? This is for your three favorite condiments. Is this in is the this whole world? For pleasure? Is this? This for... is well. You, see, you have to decide that. Like, okay. you have to pick. Whoa. You have okay. to pick a. You have to pick a versatile condiment, okay. right? So me. Okay. Yeah, my number one thing? is ranch because ranch is versatile. You could put on everything. So I know this. One, Not if me. I'm in the jungle, okay, and I kill a boar with yeah. my hands. I'm going to want to put ranch on his ass. You would never be able to do that. I would kill a boar. <laughs> you could not. I would build. You're not a, even good at killing bugs. I would house. build a spear like Tarzan uh-huh. and I would kill a boar <laughs> and I would, I would douse him in ranch. Sure. And that would be it. But also if I didn't happen to kill a boar that day because I was just feasting off the fat of the calf and I was still a little full, let's say I want to eat grass. Well, I could put ranch on grass and it'd be delicious. So you just like the taste of ranch? Ranch is delicious. Okay, so ranch number one. Ranch is number one. What's number two? Number two, maple syrup. That's not a condiment. Is that? I, I, I'm, you put it, you doubt? It's fairly close to a condiment, I believe. Okay. okay. Because it's so sweet. Sweet, sweet nectar of maple syrup. I don't think that's a condiment. It's going to go though. two ways. Vince Vaughn, you can put it in your hair, or you just eat it straight. Yeah, okay. Get a good sweet taste. Maple syrup, okay. And then also, if you, if I kill a boar, a maple syrup tastes good on the boar. But maple syrup is also going to make the grass taste sweet. Isn't a boar just like a wild pig? Hell yeah, it's a wild pig. You just want to say boar so, so you sound like you're more So like, I sound like the man that I am? Of course. Okay. I need to give the listeners at home a good view of who so, I am. So they ham. can't see my face. Yeah. So I want them to know. So I'm a man, I kill a boar. What's you. Your, what's your third? Ketchup. Ketchup? No, 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 no. A1. A1. Ew, I hate A1. I love A1. I'll tell you this. I could order a $60 filet mignon, and I'd want A1 on it because I love A1. A mignon, really? I put A1 on my potatoes. That's Bodie barking. A1 A1 on everything. He knows we're talking about food. A1 on grass. A1 on everything. That's what I have. That's it. Okay, so you have, um, you have ranch. You have maple syrup. And you have uh, A1. Absolutely. Okay, mine, let's think. Um, Oh, this is tough. So I would bring, so if you can do maple syrup. Come here, buddy. If you could do maple syrup, I guess I would choose sour cream. 
Sour cream's a good one. So sour cream, it's not really a condiment. Well, you're not sharing my condiments. Oh, okay. That's fine. That's fine. Separate. So, but I, I'm saying I would bring sour cream because maple syrup's not really a condiment, neither is sour cream. So I would do sour cream. I would do barbecue sauce. Because barbecue sauce, like you said, you could put ranch on anything. I don't like ranch, but you could put barbecue sauce on anything. So I would do sour cream, barbecue sauce. And then the third one, um, <laughs> Nutella. <laughs> I know that's not a condiment. I know that's like it, it'll, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you because Nutella is delicious. <laughs> like that's great. And you can't mess around with it. It's so good. Um, so sour cream. Barbecue sauce and Nutella. Because, like, first of all, how dare you think I'm going to loan you? Like, if I'm picking ranch, you're going to pick sour cream? You're going to get in my ranch? No, I don't like sour. I don't like ranch. Well, what did you say that you were like, you said because well, you I said picked because, something? Well, I said because you picked maple syrup, which was, isn't really a condiment. I feel confident enough to pick sour cream sour, because that's not really a condiment. So sour cream on grass, sour cream on boar. I'm not eating boar or grass. How are you going to live? I don't know. The best way to live is from animal meats. And animal proteins have more nutrients than anything. You want to eat the boar. All right, I'll eat the boar. Perfect. What else do you have for Next, us today? Next, um, so this is going to be like our small news segment. Um, two things I'm going to talk about. One, Matt Latos absolutely speared, I mean, in a minor league game. I believe this was an independent minor league game, meaning like he's not even in someone's system. And the guy, hold on, let me see if I can get this playing for you. I might. Oh, maybe it doesn't play. Hold that thought. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I can't get it to play. You can see that. Look at this guy. Yeah. He attacks it. Matt Latos in a minor league game. We've got it on our Twitter, so you can go there and find it on the Twitter. I supposedly have this plugged in to where it's supposed to play through. I can't get to play through. This is what happens when you... Yeah, look at this. I'm not recording down here. Oh, bummer. Yo, yo. Nope. Okay, so Matt Lato spears a guy in independent league baseball. I mean, that's the real dude right there. Yeah. If I'm a major league team, like, my scouts got my eye on that kid. Like, I'm watching that video over and over again. Guy's 6'6", 250. You play with that kind of passion, you can come play for me. So you like I, so you like a hundred percent. It's you know what that shows me is team leadership. You can spear a guy if you can spear a guy. It's a guy was running over from first base, full on speed, and he did just pick him up and on him. And Matt Latos picks the guy up and slams him down. Also, this second one kind of sits close to my heart. Baseball Reference wrote an article on Turk Wendell, former Cubs, former Mets. Those are the two teams you need to know he pitched for. Pitcher, he was a reliever. Um, he would brush his teeth in between innings and <laughs> chew black licorice during games. He insisted what? on wearing number 13. If an umpire threw a brand-new baseball at him, he wouldn't catch it. It was superstitious. He'd let it go past him, and the second baseman would have to throw it to him. This guy was a wild dude. He's a crazy cat off yeah. the reservation. But I believe in the, I believe wholeheartedly in baseball superstition. That would be you. You would have 100%. Superstition. I believe he would like always jump over the lines, like the foul line when he'd go to the dugout, so he's not touching that foul line. I'm, I'm all in on baseball superstitions. If you're going to play baseball, you've got to believe in something. Sure. And if you can't— Like bo- not washing our yeah, hair. Yeah, like O ye of little faith. 
Why do you not believe in stuff because you can't see it? Right. True. It's a great guy. Baseball reference wrote an article on about where he's at. Apparently, he's got a couple kids that play baseball, and apparently, he's still giving them hell. He's got a son that pitches that wears a shark tooth necklace still. And the league he plays in said, no, no, no jewelry. Turk Wendell let him have it. He was like, uh, worry about something else. My kid's going to wear jewelry because this is what we do in the Wendell family. Wow. What's up? Superstition continuing yep. with his children. Yep. That's it. And his upper deck, 1992 upper deck card, yeah. <coughs> where he's a Cubs prospect. It's like one of my favorite baseball cards of all time. I was three years old. It was great. I was 10. That's it. We're going to end this bad boy right now. Greatest show on dirt. Thank you for listening. We'll get you another episode in a couple days. But other than that. Perfect. Thanks for listening. You've heard from Brody tonight. Yeah. Brody's getting a little anxious. So oh, he's real we're going to go tend to him. He's super mad. <laughs> he's like, give me a treat. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.